KHP. Patreon exclusive. Zero zero nine. Cat. I wasn't paying attention. I don't remember if I was fumbling with my phone to change music or squinting my eyes during a yawn. It ran out from the high grass on the edge of the field into a blind spot of my car in the darkness that surrounded the beams of my headlights. I just know that I didn't have time to slam on the brakes when the cat ran out in front of me. I only caught a glimpse of it as it turned its head to look directly at my car before it disappeared underneath the sightline of my hood. I... It was dead on impact. I knew that. I heard three thumps as my car struck it at 45 miles an hour. I wasn't speeding. I had the cruise control set and set at the speed limit because I knew the police sat and watched this road routinely. I took a deep breath and shouted some profanities, some at myself for being negligent, and some at the cat for being so dumb to run out and ignore my headlights and the sound of my car approaching. At least it died a quick and painless death. Driving the last few miles home, I made sure to go five under, and never let my eyes leave the road. I couldn't get that thought of that cat looking directly at me before vanishing. I'm a cat person, and even though I live at the end of a dead-end road where the only traffic is farm equipment, my worst fear is coming home and finding one of them lying on the road. I turned into the driveway, and my headlights shined across the yard. I glimpsed two shiny eyes looking at me. My cat, Suki, was sitting near the shed, awaiting my arrival. She's a calico cat, just like the one on the ride home. She walked over to me with a bounce in her step, and her tail straight as an arrow, almost twitching with excitement. I picked her up and held her tight nearly crying into her soft fur as she purred. She, like most pets, knew when I was feeling sad or angry or whatever emotion I was feeling at that time. That night, she gave me extra attention as I went about my evening routines and as I was sleeping. At that time in my life, I was living in Springbrook, a small, rural-ish town, a half hour from Scranton. I had been renting a house and the small property that came with it for about two years while I saved money to move to a different part of the country with better pay, better scenery, and better choices of entertainment. Springbrook wasn't a bad place. It was quiet, close enough to the city to not be an annoying route to drive. I wanted something a bit more urban, though not dealing with the smell of manure on fields a few times a year and the loud hum of farm equipment driving past the house constantly. This weekend I had decided to go into Scranton for a small day trip. I had been working on a project at work that had me stressed out. I wanted to treat myself for the work that I had been doing. I wanted to get a nice dinner, see a movie, and walk a few malls and plazas just looking at things that I might want to buy and people watching a little bit. 
That was something that I loved doing. Just having a day by myself to do activities alone. It's nice to just be by yourself sometimes in what normally would be a social setting. I've encouraged friends and family to do it, and many of them give me strange looks when I talk about it. I stopped at a sushi restaurant that I usually went to on my special days out. I ordered my usual lunch special and waited for the drink to arrive. I turned my head to look out the window. I had arrived a bit early for the day. It was just after 11. The restaurant had just opened, and the lunch rush hadn't begun yet. I watched as cars drove through the parking lot of the plaza, and people went to whatever store they were going to. Others entered for sushi and were waiting for the rest of their group. As I was watching the people come and go, I noticed movement closer to the window that I was peering out of. The tip of a tail bobbed almost out of sight. I sat up a bit and scooted towards the window to get a better look. Walking on the mulch between the sidewalk and the restaurant was a calico cat, one that instantly put me back in the driver's seat of my car on that dark, rural road. The cat turned and looked at me before moving out of sight past the entrance of the building. I heard footsteps on the restaurant's floor then approaching me. The waitress was back with my drink. I heard her begin to mention something before a gasp, and I felt a shock of cold on my neck, shoulder, and thighs. I froze as I felt the drink I had ordered soak into my clothes. It was a few weeks later, I think. Time gets kind of hazy, and everything seems like it happened day after day. I was walking to the office building that I slaved around in every day carrying a few folders for that day in particular in one hand, as I turned the corner to go onto the street that held the entrance to my work. As I turned that corner, my eye caught something in the street across from me. Between two of the buildings, there's this alleyway. I'm not sure if it was just my eye seeing movement in the alley when I normally don't, or I just happened to glance that way as I began to turn the corner. Sitting on the lid of a dumpster, against one of the alley walls was a cat. A calico cat that, I swear to you, had the exact pattern like the one at the restaurant. I did a double take to confirm what I saw. That cat, in its infinite wisdom and knowledge, must have felt my eyes on it, judging by how fast it reacted. It hopped off that dumpster and trotted down the alleyway, out of sight. It couldn't have been the same cat, I was in a different town, well over a dozen miles away. I know cats can walk a mile or two to explore their territory, but nothing this far or this urban would make sense for this cat. I opened the door that was the entrance of my office building. My office was on the third floor, and me, trying to be a healthy office drone, opened the door to the stairwell to go up the flights of stairs to my floor. My footsteps echoed in the stairway as I trotted up them. My pace quick to the first landing, halfway between the ground and first floor. My pace was usually good for the first two or three sets of stairs. The landings between flights were what did me in. I could keep pace if it was a constant, but the near stop and turn that I had to do caused me to peter out towards the end of the fourth flight of stairs. I had turned to go up the fourth set when my shoe slipped. 
I'm not sure if the janitor had waxed this landing or if something had spilled and was still slippery. I just know that I went down. I tried to catch myself on the railing, causing the folders I had under my arm to fall and spill onto the landing. Papers slid down the stairs to the landing below. As I fell, the arm that was holding onto the railing slipped off, and I grasped for anything as I went down. Somehow my hand got stuck between the banister rails on the stairs and twisted as the weight of my body put pressure onto it. I tried to stifle a yell with the pain that shot through my wrist and arm, but a bit of a yelp came out. I contorted myself to pull my wrist out of the railing. My pants and shirt were covered in that thin dust that accumulates in stairwells. You know that fine dust that just kind of gets into every crevice from people's shoes depositing just the smallest amount of dirt to the pile. I think it's what makes stairwells seem so dry. That dust that just sucks the moisture out of the room. Well, my clothes were covered in it. Blonde strands of some lady's hair were also stuck to my slacks. I pulled them off and aggressively swiped at the dusty clothes I was now wearing, before beginning to collect the dozens and dozens of documents and papers that had spilled everywhere. The staircase incident sprained my wrist. Nearly broke it, the urgent care center nurse said to me when I went to have it checked. It had swollen up slightly throughout the day, and I was told to go in after work to have it checked out. They gave me a wrist brace, so I looked like an older, arthritic person that was about to go bowling. I was grateful that it was my left hand rather than my dominant right. I still had the bowler brace on. That's what I started calling it. I was at home one night, like a week later. I was preparing meals for lunches and dinners for the next week. The joys of being a bachelor are that you can do everything you want at your own pace and my pace is usually fast. I was cooking seasoned chicken breasts that I had cut in half in two different pans on my stove. On the other two burners, I had smaller pans that would be steaming vegetables. I was using this nice set of knives I bought myself. I'm not overly amazing in the kitchen, but try to act like I am. I bought these high-quality knives for like 300 bucks, and not the gimmicky ones like you see on TV. These were high middle tier to the lower end of top of the line, and I had just pulled out my knife specifically for veggie slicing. I've always had this strange fascination with knives since I was a kid. I love the way they effortlessly cut through things. A sharp knife slicing through a piece of paper or carving off a small sliver of wood from a stick was something that was just so satisfying to me as a kid. I would go into the woods and sharpen and carve sticks, cut into anything that I could get my hands onto. As I grew older, I developed a sort of apprehension about knives. I've seen videos of stabbings and pictures of aftermaths of knife accidents. My skin crawls when I think about someone coming after me with a knife, that sharp blade piercing with no resistance into my stomach or cutting through the flesh and muscle on my arm without issue. It just terrifies me. One of my worst fears is getting stabbed over and over, being cut up alive or whatever else a sadistic mind can come up with. I handled knives with extreme care when I use them, a sort of respect. I make sure the blade is away from me and that my fingers are always out of the way. 
I know I probably couldn't then, but when I think back on the moment, I can almost hear the tearing of my skin as I sliced into a red pepper, the knife sliding effortlessly down and across my finger. The warmness of the blood that poured out of the slice on the top of my finger pushed away the refrigerated cold of the pepper. I looked at the scene, the blood dark against the bright red of the pepper. I took a second and looked at the wound on my finger, between the fingernail and the first knuckle of my pointer finger. I gasped and scrambled to my bathroom on the second floor. I flung open the medicine cabinet and pulled out the peroxide that had sat untouched since I moved in, in that dark brown bottle. I poured it onto my wound, the sizzling causing a burning sensation that was almost worse than the cut itself. As that wound bubbled and fizzed with that white froth, I attempted to pull a band-aid out of the container and open it one-handed, my braced hand being the one that I cut. Eventually the fizzing slowed and the dripping of the watery peroxide mixed with blood stopped, and I was able to open the bandage with the use of my ring finger and pinky assisting my good hand. As I applied the bandage, I looked around the room and just made sure that I didn't damage anything in my hasty attempt to stop all of my blood from draining from my finger. I had knocked a decorative portion of the shower curtain from the outside to the inside of the tub. I pulled it out and straightened it. I cleaned up the bandage wastes, capped the peroxide and placed it back into the medicine cabinet where it belonged, hoping to never use it again. I walked over and sat on the toilet and looked out the window. I'm unsure as to why the person that made the house put a window. You know what? I do know now that I say it aloud. There's a window on the second floor of the bathroom in this house. They put it there most likely for the morning sunlight to shine in as they woke up. Now it's just a spot I stare out when I'm on the toilet and forget my phone. Its purpose is pretty obsolete now with lighting and the fact that a large tree sits a few dozen feet from the window blocking just about all of the light that would shine in during the morning. I looked out this window and kept pressure on the cut that the bandage held together. I just looked at the evening sky around the tree, the millions of indistinguishable shades of color that we just generalize as pink, orange, and red. I remember thinking that the scene before me was just about what you'd see on a picture in a calendar, or maybe on a puzzle. And that's when I saw the movement. It was subtle, but I saw movement within the tree. At first I thought it was a possum coming down for the night, but soon realized it was a calico cat. The calico cat. It was sitting on a branch near the middle, obscured by some leaves. I remember getting up off the toilet walking downstairs with my hand keeping pressure on the cut, and walking outside to the base of that tree. I stood below and looked up, but I couldn't see that cat. I sat in my living room and thought about it. The waiter, the fall at work, and now the cut. Either before or after I had seen a cat. The same cat. The cat that I knew damn well was dead and rotting by the side of the road right now. I know it was stupid to think, but was I really being followed by some ghost cat that brought bad luck onto me like some bastardized Friday the 13th curse? It sure as hell seemed like that was the case. 
I think it was maybe a few days after I got the brace off. Maybe a week after the cut. It scabbed over eventually. I probably should have gone for stitches now that I think about it. I'm just going to have a scar to remind me of these events, I guess. Anyway, it was a few days after getting the bowling brace off. I was driving to work, my wrist still a bit sore. I had turned the corner onto a street that had the entrance to the parking garage. I drove about two blocks down when I had a massive brain fart. This person was in the crosswalk ahead of me, going from left to right. I saw them, but for some reason there was a disconnect between my brain and my body movement. As I thought about slowing down, my body just didn't respond. I ended up slamming on my brakes and ending inches from the woman, who had a backpack on. Her eyes were wide with terror as the car nearly smashed into her. She yelled at me, flipped me off, and kicked the front of my car. I was completely oblivious, apparently. The shock of what I had almost done was still settling in. The woman walked onto the sidewalk and kept looking back at me as she walked away, up the street in front of me. I took a breath and began driving again. I had moved only a few inches when I noticed her backpack shift oddly, like something had fallen inside and changed the way the weight was distributed. I realized at the same time the head poked up what kind of backpack it was. It was one that you transport your cat in, like you see online. One with that bubble-looking porthole for the cat to look out while you carry it around. Looking back at me with almost a smug look was that cat. I drove slowly behind the lady, going way under the speed limit, and just stared at the cat before it ducked back into the pack and out of sight. I had to turn sharply then, almost missing the turn into the parking garage. I watched in my rearview mirror as the woman continued on her way. I was reprimanded at work. I don't even remember what for. Some minuscule thing that was an easy error on documents I was working on. Apparently it was a large enough issue to have some sort of demerit or note placed in my record. I wasn't really paying attention. As I sat in my supervisor's office... I could see the apartment building across the street had that calico cat in it, rubbing against the window, stretching and flopping over, taunting me, knowing that it was causing my bad luck. Of course I took steps to try and avoid that thing. Believe me, I tried. I fell in the shower and conked the back of my head pretty good. Wouldn't be surprised if I had a mild concussion from it. I stood up checking for blood and saw the cat running around in the yard outside. My view was perfect through the window in the bathroom. I covered the windows of my house then with blankets, curtains, and whatever else I could find to stop from being able to see outside. The cat had a plan for that. It was midsummer, but for some strange reason, one of the electric heaters on the wall got turned on. I woke up that night to the smell of smoke and charred fabric. I ran to my closet to grab an extinguisher and sprayed the blanket down. I heard a thump, then, from outside my bedroom and saw a paw reach under the door. A calico paw, but definitely not my calico Suki. Suki has a white paw, almost like a boot or a mitten. This paw was splotched with orange and black the whole way down. The paw swiped at the air for a few moments before disappearing back under the door. My calico was hiding in the bedroom, under the bed from all the commotion. I tried sitting in my room and 
not doing anything. Thinking that if I just avoided doing any activity at all, I could avoid having anything bad done to me. It was a temporary solution, though, as I eventually had to go to work, but I had to try something. This, of course, wasn't successful. I saw my bedroom door swing open. The cat pranced in, causing me to jump from where I was and move as far away as possible from it. It pawed at my closet door, an accordion-style door, until it pulled enough of this doorway far to the side to slip into. I ran over and flung the door open, finding that a large portion of my clothes were kind of polka-dotted with white spots of bleach on them. My last attempt was going far, far away. Maybe this cat had some sort of radius on its influence. If I went further than that, maybe I could find a place to avoid where my life was now centered. Avoid that stupid feline. I went for a hike in the Pocono Mountains. I had been in the mountains before on a business retreat. One of those stupid team-building employee outings. Let me tell you, the hike was one of the worst ideas. I saw that cat after about two hours of hiking. It was following behind me on a trail. I about dropped to my knees in frustration. Then the paranoia set in. What was going to happen to me? Was I going to get lost? Maybe a bear was going to attack me? Was I about to fall down a cliff after a chunk of the mountain decides to give away? Some of those things did happen to me. I got turned around a few times. The cat followed right along behind me, despite my attempts to lose it. I tried to take a shortcut down the mountain. I saw a trail ahead, but between me and that trail was a small patch of woods. I pushed my way through and tripped on a root and fell, twisting my ankle a bit. The cat nearly got me with some poison ivy that had grown across the trail, but I knew better and was able to avoid it. The only thing that I avoided. I eventually came to the spot where I had parked. The cat was nowhere in sight. It must have gotten bored and ran off to think about some new way to terrorize me. The beginning of the trail started on one side of a small dip where a river caused a valley. I had to walk down to the bottom and across the small footbridge, then up the other side. The trail going beside my car, which was slightly above me on a parking lot. As I walked along the edge of the lot, the trail raising to become level with where the cars were, I got a good look at the bottom of my car and I saw something. I laid down on the gravel and reached under my car as far as I could, and felt my fingers touch something. Something made of fabric. I heard a tingling of metal as I moved it on my car, tugging on it to pull it out from wherever it was tucked into. Eventually it pulled free and I got back to my feet, holding it in my hands. A collar. One of those breakaway ones that disconnect if the cat gets caught so it doesn't choke to death. It seemed to be intact. The fabric was frayed where it became lodged in my car. I teared up again, thinking about that night. That cat had a family, and that family had a cat that they loved, and it just didn't return one day. I drove home thinking hard about the past few weeks. I was scared about what might happen now that I have something of the cats in my possession. If horror movies and scary stories are to be believed, then this whole cat thing is about to get much worse. Anytime someone has something of the ghost or whatever it is, 
things kind of escalate. I did my usual thing for the next couple of days, and had nothing bad happen to me. Not at home, not driving, not at work, and not when I went shopping for new clothes. I sat the collar on my dresser, on top of a box that I keep change and things from my pockets in. It was a Saturday night, one that was extremely calm. No wind blew against the house, and it was cloudless outside. I was sitting on my couch watching TV when I heard a thump and the pitter-patter of paws on the floor. I looked over and saw my cat sitting on the couch licking herself. I felt my chest get tighter as the sound of the padding came closer. Around the corner, that cursed cat appeared. Suki didn't seem to even notice the other cat in the room. It stopped and looked at me, then meowed and turned, going towards the stairs. It stopped before going around corner and meowed at me again. Curious, I stood up. All of the other sightings, the cat had an air of smugness to whatever it did. This time, though, it had a look of concern. I got up from the couch, disturbing Suki, who gave me the most annoyed look. I looked up the stairs and saw the cat sitting at the top of them. It looked down at me, as if a king looking down at a peasant from a place of power. It turned towards my room and pranced down towards it. I entered my room and saw the cat sitting on the bed, looking towards my dresser. At the box with my pocket items and the collar sitting atop it all. I looked at my dresser, and then at the cat, and then at the collar, and then at the cat, who was looking at me as if to say, Yeah, you're putting it together now, you idiot. I walked to the dresser and grabbed the collar, taking a step or two towards the cat. I pulled the collar apart and placed it around its neck. With a secure click and a slight tug to make sure that the collar wasn't going anywhere, I put it on the cat. The calico cat did a quick little meow and then hopped off the bed, walking to my bedroom door. It pawed at the door, wanting left out. I opened the door and the cat dashed down the hallway, turning the corner to the stairs. I didn't hear it go down the stairs, but I kind of jogged after it, turning the corner soon after it turned but I saw no sign of the cat. I never saw it again. <laughs>